I don't know who we're waiting for, if it's me or you, but we're, we're live, baby. We are live, yeah. I thought you were I, just like uh, a frozen image. I kind of was, yeah. I, <laughs> I often sit and just stare into space for long periods of time, but not today. I feel great today. It's a great day. It's a great day, especially for like any Husky fan, man. Yes. It is, is uh, I, I don't think you could ask for anything better. I feel like I've lost years off my life. <laughs> <laughs> in the past couple of weeks, especially yesterday, I literally admit I like woke up in the middle of the night last night and my body physically hurt. Really? Like, it, it actually hurt. I was like, this can't be good, man. I <laughs> so I was I thought I'm too, I'm too young for uh, for these issues. I thought you were traveling to this game. Also, was that ever the plan or did I just have it completely wrong? No, I I we kind of for a moment indulged the idea of going to New Orleans. But man. As it's been well publicized, the cost of going to New Orleans was prohibitive. Gotcha. Yeah, it was uh, it was tough. So uh, I am going to the national championship, though, which is going to be awesome. Uh, can't wait. I at the same time, I don't begrudge anybody who can't go. It's also very expensive. Uh, the, the nice thing for us is we kind of had this plan a month ago to uh, to book travel and tickets and everything for Houston before anyone even thought that far ahead. So yeah, it wasn't very expensive for us. Uh, I see that it's gone way up <laughs> in the past 24 hours. Yes. So I saw at one point, like lowest tickets available were like $2,800, which I assume probably was when Texas was going to be, uh, when people thought Texas might be part of the national championship game. And then yeah, well, it's probably I think harder it, to sell those tickets to Washington fans. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see uh, how things change over the next couple of days, because obviously uh, Washington, Michigan is a lot more travel involved than Texas and Alabama would have been. Certainly. I'm, I'm sure the Houston market would have appreciated having those two teams from the South there. Cause it would have just brought in a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know what? Fuck them. Yeah. I'm glad we're going. Also, Georgia fucked it up for everybody because it should have been a Michigan Washington Rose Bowl to be the last like Pac 12 Big Ten Rose Bowl. Yeah. And so fuck them already. Like yeah, we, that, we, we true, lost man. out on poetry. Uh, it, I uh I was watching the Iron Bowl when Alabama played Auburn and uh kind of upset them at the end. It's not really an upset, obviously. Auburn was not very good this year. Sure. But uh Auburn had the game in hand and, and Alabama took it away from them and really screwed up the entire uh football playoff rankings but that's okay because it worked out for the best uh personally i'm i'm very happy that washington gets to play michigan i that might be sacrilege in a way but uh i just didn't want to play alabama dude i totally agree i totally agree first off i want to i want to address this because we're uh if you're listening to this days later we're live for the first time ever doing this and uh there's already one question poured in they're pouring in alex the the comments and questions are pouring in And, uh, but we'll get to those. This is going to be the fun part is having people interact in real time instead of putting the podcast out like 24 full hours after we recorded it. And so, uh, please go to YouTube and Facebook. If I think those are the, I don't think you can do it on Twitter. There's a lot of people that are following Alex on Twitter, follow the link through, uh, maybe my Twitter account to, uh, YouTube and you can comment on there, chat on there. Anyway, um, yeah, we, we can talk. Obviously, we got a lot to talk about with yes. regards to the Huskies and other things, too, which we'll get to. Uh, if you're listening to this, um, I don't know what happens. You must have gotten lost. There's like so many better better people you could listen to. How dare um, you? Yeah, one of our- By the way, Doug Scott, what an asshole. Uh, 
mutual friend Doug Scott. Did I already miss the te- miss the tech issue segment? That's what it's a upcoming. It's coming. Yeah. It'll, it'll happen. We actually had a conversation about this that if we go live, we can't have tech issues. And I I my, I made a point that I think is on my feet one of the best points I've ever made, which is no no tech issue we have had has lasted longer than commercials on terrestrial radio. So we're That's uh, true. Yeah. we're doing okay. We'll, we'll, uh, maybe one day we'll work in some live reads. That'd be fun. Oh, that'd be sweet. The the thing about radio, I listen to a lot of sports radio. Most of the ads are for just the weirdest products. It's Mm -hmm. never like, it's like what, what Twitter has become with ads where every time you're scrolling through Twitter, you're like, man, these are some weird ads. Like this isn't even like, this is like, these are like knockoff vibrators. These aren't even the real thing. Did you see Jason Whitlock cell phone himself, by the way? Yes. Yeah. Jason Whitlock posts why is this ad showing up on my whatever it was it like espn nfl standings and it's just a thing about you know it's like i don't even understand what the ad was for to be honest with you which means that his algorithm because what, what he didn't realize and what some people may not realize is that google adsense is just algorithm based so you get ads that meet <laughs> your like search criteria i don't know if espn's using google adsense it wouldn't surprise me if they are but either way they're using some sort of algorithmic ad company which means jason whitlock's search history is what led to this which was hilarious and i got the news from uh the great katie nolan who's a friend of comedy so i will always forever be on her side of an argument (laughs) that she has with a guy like jason whitlock yeah it was uh it was like a uh i would call it like a raunchy greeting card is what it looked like it was was something along the lines of like spending the new year by being inside of you or something like that it's like jesus it's like I, i mean Look, I think a lot of us have seen some weird ads, you know, let's not, uh, let's not hide from our past, but, oh, no. uh, but, uh, that I've never seen anything like that. That's for I sure. get a thing. I get a thing pitched to me on Instagram every now and then, which by the way, the other thing that I'm really bad at is saying, I got to start saying the shows that I'm doing coming up at the beginning of the show instead of the last 45 seconds. Uh, but I get a thing on Instagram that looks like a, uh, fleshlight with like spikes pointing inwards and i'm like it's they say it's for i don't know dogs or something like that but i think they know something about me that i don't know <laughs> it's uh that sounds terrible in every, sound everything you just said in the last 30 seconds <laughs> it's terrifying and yeah it's uh, not great not great but uh yeah this is i mean we do we we get together like this every week pretty much and uh just kind of talk about sports and other things and we'll uh We'll try to be more professional today, I guess. I don't know. My, uh, we are, since we're live for the first time. I don't know. If, I mean, this is, I was thinking about this too, which is the the tough part about going live is that you don't get to edit. But then I think about how much I actually edit out of this podcast. Not, it's not, not that much. much not not, not no. that much less editing. The people uh, that actually, I, I feel like the, the regular listeners who make it all the way to the end of the podcast have heard some weird things. <laughs> Like, there's no doubt about that because I've listened back a couple times just to like see. For me, it's it's uh, it's purely selfish and ego driven. I want to hear course. my own voice as much as possible. I've listened but back also, to every episode. <laughs> but, yeah, but also, uh, I like to hear how how good or bad the sound quality is. Everybody knows that's the big thing. It's like if your sound quality is bad, then you might as well just stop. Doing the content could suck, but if it sounds like we're on NPR, then uh, then we're good. Yeah. Yeah, uh, no, it's it's true. So yeah, we have a lot to talk about today. Obviously, national championship, Huskies. Um, you have a few other topics for us. I can't remember what they are. Before we set the topics, though, I was thinking about this because we always do this. If, if you listen to this at any point in the past, you know 
that we wait until the last like 30 seconds for you to promote any shows you have upcoming. Yeah. And uh, it's a complete waste because it's no one ever makes it that far. I, we haven't seen the numbers on how far people make it. It's not like uh, it's not like uh, your team's meetings at work where you can <laughs> see like when everyone left, <laughs> when everyone left the meeting. We don't have the, that the minutes of, of the call are just me and you. Yeah. So, uh... <laughs> yeah, the uh, we we actually will uh, get to, you know, figure out like where we're all at in this process. Sure. Thank, thank you for the comment about the hat. Um, yeah. Simply How Seattle. I, we, I, we don't have. I don't have any kind of. Uh, we got to get a simply anything, Seattle. Uh, but yeah, it promo seems like code. everyone gets a promo code. But uh, simply Seattle sells this hat. So get out of simply Seattle. Let the people support us. Um, yeah, they're great. They do a great job. A lot of UW custom stuff, which is which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, but promote your shows because yeah. we, we we don't want to save that till the end. You've got a lot yeah. of stuff coming up. So this week, uh, I will be at. Tacoma Comedy Club, the 6th and Proctor location, featuring for Gabriel Rutledge, who is the best comic in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, the 11th, I'll be at the big Tacoma Comedy Club hosting for my favorite comic in the world, Joe List. And then I'll be with uh, radio legend Jubal Fresh at uh, at the big, or at uh, Laughs in Seattle. And then the big one for me that's coming up that I'll keep talking about for a long time is uh, March 15th and 16th. I'm headlining. Tacoma Comedy Club, 6th and Proctor Club. And I'm going to put together a promotional video about it. But let's just say there's something special about that weekend. So uh, March 15th and 16th, come out. Uh, Tacoma Comedy Club, 6th and Proctor website. We'll, you know, we'll keep promoting future dates uh, later on as they get closer. But for now, those are the ones that I want to talk about. Oh, also, by the way, uh, Seattle fans will be into this. Uh, Sarah Colonna and I will be making our second appearance together. The first one was at Tacoma Comedy Club this time at Spokane Comedy Club the first weekend of February. Spokane, that's uh, exotic. Exotic locations. Exotic. I gotta pick up my phone because I knocked it off my desk. I'm sorry. Okay, well that's fine. You're now it's just your green green. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, that's a, you got a lot of stuff coming up. Yeah. I feel like if anybody who actually listens to this show that we do comes up to you at one of your shows. Oh shit! Frank Castro pointed out. Hold on, hold on. I fucked up. We have a show. Uh, He's the man because I always he's got to be frustrated. I'm also at Cosmic. So Bickerson's Brewhouse, uh, January 20th. Great lineup, by the way. Amanda Arnold and Tanner Torkelson. That's a show that I produce at Bickerson's Brewhouse with uh, my pal, our pal, Frank Castro. Yes. Junior, I'm finding out uh, just now. I didn't realize he was a junior. Just and- like Michael Penix. Yeah, he's a junior. And that same day, if you want to make this, well, I'm not, I'm not going to promote the other thing because I'm not going to be there, but I'll let, uh, I'll let Frank have his moment right now because, uh, we've had good success at, uh, Bickerson's Brewhouse and I don't want to break the streak, but I'm not going to yeah. be there. It'll be a guest host. Uh, and they make some great beer, by the way, if you're, if you're, and they have a location in Ballard also, if you're looking to buy beer directly from the source, which by the way, that's how they make their most money. I also think that I have a, uh, a, uh, it's possible. Oh, I have a I have a, a nice picture from the Seahawks game I went through that we'll talk about later that just came into my phone. So, anyways, let's we can yeah. move on from my dates. Bickerson's Brewhouse. I do that every month, by the way. Yeah, Frank, Bickerson's Frank's great. The man. I was I was hanging out with Frank last night when we were we were watching the game together for a little bit, and he brought me some of their beer, which was very nice of him. Uh, like you said, very good beer. Yeah, good and Alex is a connoisseur even... too, so that's that's yeah. I, I generally I generally don't drink a lot of beer. Sure. So. Uh, if I said it's okay, then it's, I don't know. My taste what? is terrible. I'm the type of person that if, if, if I were to go wine tasting, it would all taste like wine. 
That's <laughs> if <laughs> we ever revive the in-person podcast, we have to start the IPA testing phase of the podcast where we find an IPA. We go until we find an IPA that you love. That's what I say. I don't think I'll ever love one, but uh, tolerate is probably a better word. I would tolerate some. No, you know what I was going to say a minute ago? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Mike Mike Hanson is a piece of shit. By the way, he's a comic who's hosting for Gabriel Wells this weekend. The show is going to be Mike Hanson's fatter than me, and then I'm fatter than Gabe. So it's like like Russian nesting dolls of fat, bearded white guys. The important thing about a, a beard, the nice thing about the beard trends being so popular in the last decade is that uh, it hides the fact that we're all missing our necks or yes. have extra chins. That's yes. the only reason you really grow a beard. But I was going to say, if anyone actually listens to this show and comes to one of your shows, I feel like they should mention that to you. And then Absolutely. You, should, Please you do. should have to like buy them a beer or something. Well, I, think, first, I thought you were going to try get, to get a commission for yourself. No, I don't care about that. There's not <laughs> going to be enough. Beer. It's going to be like, you'll buy like two beers. So it's, I think that's a reasonable uh, reasonable payment. Plus, hey, can, they, can I tell you a comedy story? So, yes. By the way, we, we really teased the Huskies thing and now we're just going every other direction. But I, the last show of 2023 that I did was on December 28th at Side Hustle Brewing. And it's the first show that I've self-produced where I'm headlining it and sold it out. It was like a, it felt like a big accomplishment, a good way to close out. I thought a good way to close out, uh, 2023, and then I went up and I have some new material that is like a little bit of a delicate topic and it like really requires appropriate wording. And not only did I not get the wording right, but I lost, I missed the last like half of the joke and ruined the last, like not ruined. I got him back eventually, but ruined like 20 of the next 30 minutes that I did to close out 2023. That's a really great endorsement after just promoting all your shows. <laughs> well, you could come see, it's a little bit of a high wire act that could go horribly at some point. Um, that's part of the the fun of comedy, I suppose. Yeah. yeah uh, can I just mention really quick before we get into all our topics? Like, sure. typically when we do this, it's just like a screen that's you and me and there's nothing else going on. <laughs> but I have ADD and right now, it's really distracting me. I think it's you fine. can hide this for yourself, by the way. I think you can you can make it so I'm the one dealing with it. That's true. Actually, that's probably a good idea. We'll work on that for next time. Okay. okay. As it is. As it All is. Right. Uh, so what 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 else do we have to talk about? Obviously, the big topic, the Huskies. But yeah. Uh, so we've we missed we missed last week the Russell Wilson benching, which is a a topic that's perfect for this podcast. And I I, I have a million opinions on the future of Russell Wilson, the the way that this went down. Uh, the Panthers owner threw a beer or a drink on some fans from his suite and having, I recently sat in a, a Seahawks suite. I'm a sweet man now. I have a, I have a, a lot of, wow. I might be on the owner's side on this one now that I'm a sweet guy. Now that I'm one of the guys that sits at a suite. And then uh, the Seahawks had a pretty rough loss and we're going to talk about their uh, playoff chances. And maybe we'll think of something else because I feel like there's another topic that we're completely ignoring. But um, uh, anyway, back to the Huskies, I think. We we do have to get to the Huskies, man. It is uh, – I mean, you're a Husky fan too. We're, we're yes. obviously both Husky fans. Uh, I, I'll just start by saying I – the years I went to UW, they were terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Husky football team and the time I was at UW never made a bowl game. I went in there – in 2003, the year before they made a bowl, uh, and they didn't get back until 2010 after I had 
recently graduated let's let's be honest it wasn't that long i spent six years doing undergrad but uh i've I, my friends and i have gone to bowl games starting in 2010 together it was like a, a thing that we did every year pretty much uh obviously covid kind of threw a wrench in our our uh plans for and our streak of these bowl games but um man it is it just it's one of those things where the idea of a national championship like never ever crossed my mind especially not 10 or 15 years ago when this sure. program was trying to get right and get back on track and now uh now they're going to go there which is just insane to me it's so in college football it's so hard man like it's just it's so subjective just to even be considered among the elite group to have a shot at a national championship and then to actually win the games necessary to get there against great opponents uh, with everything that can go wrong in a football season, injuries and all of that. Um, so man, it just feels, it's like the greatest feeling, man. I didn't even feel this way when the Seahawks won the Super Bowl. That's, that's it feels better than that. Yeah, it feels better. But so I'm curious to hear how you feel about it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think definitely um, for me, the Seahawks were, that was a bigger deal. Also, by the way, the Seahawks uh, it's like, this is more to me, like when they went in 2005 than when, they won it because they haven't won it yet. If they win it, maybe I'll feel a little bit differently. I'll be curious. I did get a, I had some argument online last night about Washington and Seattle not caring about this team at all. And I just don't think that's true. That person had been in Seattle on uh, January 1st, on New Year's Day, which I don't think is a day to judge sports fandom, by the way, because not enough people were talking about it that day is not enough reason to say that the city doesn't care about the Huskies. But for me, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of like to imagine where they were, where they, cause I, I grew up like my earliest memories of the Huskies are like Corey Dillon and the, and the teams like Napoleon Kaufman, like those like early nineties to mid nineties teams. Those are my first memories of really caring about the Huskies. And they were like just bowl eligible every year. Not necessarily that obviously they had the early nineties team. I was pretty young. I was like five. I don't remember when they were national champions. I, I, I check on uh check in like Lambright era. I missed, I have no memories of Don James. Yeah. yeah I uh, think that's, I think that's for most people in our age group. That's probably where your memories start to form. Right. If you grew up as a Husky fan. I, I, I mean, I was like <clears throat> seven years old when they, yeah when they won the national championship. So I don't really have any recollection of that. I don't think a lot of, I mean, and I'm, I'm 39 now. So it's like, you'd have to be around 50 to at least sure. 50 to like really remember the, the national championship. Yeah. You were then, like just out of high school then probably if you were 50, if you're 50 right now, you were right. just out of high school. Right. And even then, I mean, you think back to any of us can think back to when we were teenagers, like, right. Uh, you, you have kind of a different appreciation for memories like that at that age than you do when you become an adult, you know, when you've kind of grown into, into that time of your life, when you can really like, experience those moments and like cherish them for what they are yeah um and so, so it's yeah it's different man it's like it's just it's a really cool thing to have happen i just never ever thought we would get back here uh especially right. I, you know as they expand to 12 teams in the future certainly that opens up the door for being able to you know maybe make a run at future championships again but i just didn't think under the the 14 playoff it was going to be super easy and i was at the the championship in uh, or the college football playoff in 2016 and it just didn't feel like it feels now like sure just... well part of the reason was they played alabama and got the doors blown <laughs> off of them you know what i mean like i don't think anyone ever felt like that game i i honestly didn't even feel like this was a realistic uh 
like a realistic hope until they went up seven nothing on Texas. And yeah, yeah. there were, I mean, I, I know that the stats aren't going to bear this out necessarily, but there was like a, a, there was a scenario where this game ends up being like a four score blowout. If uh, Jeremy Bernard doesn't drop the, doesn't drop the punt. And if uh, the, if the, when they go for it on fourth and one, I think maybe a drive or two later, they don't get it on like what I would call like a somewhat questionable showing your hand and then running the play. Everyone expects it's very frustrating as a fan who knows nothing about real life play calling to see this like running back direct snap is a very obvious run play. Yeah. And uh, it just seemed like an uninspired fourth down call. Well, for as like creative as their play calling typically is and has been all year. Right. They, they played it pretty straight yesterday yeah. against Texas, which was kind of surprising. I would imagine they probably have a lot in the bag to showcase for the championship because sure. they really didn't show a lot of like trickery uh, in that game. And and you're right. I mean, it felt at times like uh, the Huskies could have started to run away with the game. I think the punt return was really like uh, the muff punt return was really the turning point where if they field that punt or just fair catch it and go down and score, all of a sudden they're up by two touchdowns going into the half. Uh, it really makes things interesting coming out of yeah. halftime. But instead, it's a tie game, and uh, it's it was close the whole way. I mean, that this year's Huskies, man, they just always find a way to make every game close. Uh, yeah, and they're like, frustrating in that way. The same way, like, the, yeah. the, the 2000s or whatever they – I don't even know what you call that era. The teens. That era of Seahawks, like, you yeah. always were like, they had a chance to win every game. There was always hope. They were rarely out of games, but like, can you just get some separation in the third quarter so I can breathe for an hour? Jesus. It's, it's wild, man. Having gone through the Seahawks era, uh, and now this with the Huskies, it's just like, it's, it takes a lot out of you. It really does, yes. but it makes every, every victory is like, so it feels so much better because it just doesn't feel like uh, you, you had any business being there at certain points in the game. It just, and, and especially for me yesterday, I mean, I was just, I went into that whole game thinking, just expecting the worst and hoping for the best, you know, yeah. knowing, knowing that we had a trip lined up to the national championship after this, uh, not only am I like worried about my team and what could happen there, but it's like, this is the difference in me, like getting a few days off next week and having to cancel some flights and cancel a hotel room. If they lose Sell some so I, tickets, I was, well, the nice thing about the tickets is they're only allotted to you once, uh, once the team actually went, oh, gotcha, we got okay. them through the school, but, nice. um, but it was just one of those things where I was like preparing myself mentally for a very depressing Tuesday. And instead it's the exact opposite. <laughs> well, and like so the greatest feeling in the world. I think you took. I remember very specifically a uh, a tweet you made that was like a little bit of a well, what turned out to be an early victory lap. But I'm going to talk about this is my buddy uh, Phil Klingler. We have a bunch of comics. Uh, it's going to get bad if it's only comics commenting. By the way, <laughs> comics and comedy adjacent people. Brian Dennis is uh, is has a normal good job, but he's also a security guard at the comedy club that uh, wrecks me every time I see him. So uh, that's, good. that's good. You need a little bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so they go, by the way, I want to say this. So uh, they, they have the unfortunate injury um, on the, on the third down play at the end. Cause there's like, there's some frustrating stuff uh, all through some frustrating clock management. I think at every stage, I think yeah. they didn't get, they weren't like, I don't think they were pulling out all the stops trick wise, but they started to get like a little less, a little more finesse. It felt like early in the game, like every time the ball went up, 
Michael Penix put a ball in the air, it was coming into somebody's hands. Like he was, yeah. I mean, he was like 11 of 11 at one point in the second half, I believe. But it wasn't like, whenever you see a guy go 11 of 11, it's like a guy who's dinking and dunking, throwing screens and check downs and stuff like that. And he was like really putting the ball downfield and oh, it was automatic. perfect passes. It was automatic. It was like, it was like video game production from him. Every time he dropped back to pass, it was like a guaranteed completion. And almost every time it was for a first down because... Yeah, like you said, it wasn't dink and dunk. Everything was a deep shot or at least 10 yards or more. And uh, yeah, that's what really makes him so special. It's, you know, down the stretch of the regular season, everyone saw Penix struggle a little bit. I mean, that was obvious to people. He just didn't look the same. Uh, he likely had an injury. You know, there were all sorts of things that were kind of coming together to create a, a lesser version of Penix than what we've seen recently. And to see him rebound in the Pac-12 championship and then yesterday in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, it was impressive, man, because when he's at his best, like he was yesterday, there's just no other quarterback in college football that can do the things that he could do. And he just took control of that game. I mean, the running mm -hmm. game, the running game was good at times, but we've seen the running game for the Huskies explode in games. And it really didn't do that as much yesterday. So, you know, the best player on the field stepped up when he had to and carried his team. And that's, you know, that's, I mean, like you said, it is unfortunate that the Huskies, I guess, didn't take a knee at the end of the game. I understand why they didn't. Sure. Uh, running a play and, and getting a first down would have ended the game. So I understand why they would do that. Um, but taking a knee certainly would have been a little bit more prudent in that it would have taken the clock down to what would seem like uh, an almost unmanageable situation for Texas. But anytime you can secure a win versus just get it close, you're going to try to secure it. And they tried to put the ball in their most sure-handed running back's hands and instead he gets injured which is sucks it sucks mm -hmm. going into a championship and it doesn't seem like he'll be able to go next week although they haven't said that either way yet uh but if he can't go he's been I mean, ailing for for months though yeah I mean, he's, had a, he's had a foot injury most of the season um it's weird though because i don't feel like because Penix is so good and so much better than like everybody else on the field and because those receivers are so talented that the huskies have it doesn't feel like super crippling to not have your starting running back. Obviously you want everyone to be a hundred percent, but sure. it doesn't feel like that is going to be a death sentence for the Huskies going into a championship game. It still feels like they can win. So I, I think that probably they're like, if you want to just go on like win probability, I think the difference between, cause it's not just the injury, which by the way, now that they hate this, the Huskies won and it doesn't sound like sour grapes, that's a horrible rule. That if a player gets injured on the offense, yeah. that stops the clock. It's it's bad luck. It penalizes a genuine injury. It it isn't the spirit of that rule. The spirit of that rule is to not allow uh, defensive. Well, what it, yeah, what is the spirit of the rule? That, that it's certainly not the spirit of the rule. But then you get the you have an option for a 10 second runoff if you want it. If you're the opposing team, obviously Texas wasn't going to take that. But it's. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's not a good rule. I think that they should not penalize teams that are running down the clock with that rule. That being said, with that rule in place, I think you're probably like a 99% win probability to like a 99.5% win probability. It's not just an injury that could stop the clock, holding penalty, any kind of blocking penalty. Like there's a yeah. bunch of stuff that can stop the clock that running a play that has real life action, some percentage of your plays are going to have penalties. Um, I mean, it was it was probably like a ninety nine percent win probability when they gave Texas no, that's the what ball I mean. back. 
That's yeah, what I mean. I mean, even even still, it certainly didn't feel like that just seconds later. Giving the ball back yeah. to Texas with about 50 seconds left on the clock. Well, then you get the penalty uh, on the punt, of course, and then a couple big yeah. shots. I mean, in college football where they're stopping at every first down, it feels like 45 seconds is an eternity. And then, I mean, it yeah. seemed like at every that, – that last sequence, the last four downs, I mean, I know that – I think the Huskies called one timeout in there. But uh, and then there was a challenge like it was there was a it felt like it lasted an hour. Everything that happened in the last 50 seconds, anything that could have gone wrong went wrong except yeah. for the end result. But everything else went wrong. It was just like a complete meltdown. And in the moment, I was talking with some other friends and we kind of all agreed it would be the greatest collapse in Seattle sports history. <laughs> like, the, technically, the Seahawks Super Bowl wasn't a collapse. They were trying to win the game. They were losing. They were trying to win. And then yeah. they didn't do it. So you could argue if that's a collapse or not. But this would certainly have been a collapse. And it, it was one of those things where it was like they were up by six. So it's like, obviously, Texas still has to nail the extra point. But that's almost always a given in that situation. If they score a touchdown you're probably losing the game by one. And when they yeah. got, when Texas drove down the field, you know, the first, they get the ball back with like 50 seconds left. Uh, their quarterback, Quinn Ewers, makes a couple passes that are just like so errant that were like nowhere near their receivers that I was like, this is not going to be an issue. We're going to, we're going to get a three and out. We're going to, or four and out, I guess, in this case, game's going to be over. And then they just, you know, I think the one thing that a lot of teams do now in, football, whether it's the NFL or college, is in those late game situations, you just take a deep shot because it's like 50-50 whether they're going to call pass interference. Like you might catch you might catch a bolt, the ball, which is great, mm -hmm. you know, but at the very least, there's a pretty good chance you're going to get a PI called and then get a first down out of that regardless and at least keep things moving. So teams are kind of like used to that now. And so they take their deep shot. They actually get the ball down the field and uh, they get to like the 15 yard line with 15 seconds left. And I said in, in that moment, they're going to get four shots at the yep. end zone from here. And they did. They got exactly four shots. The last one coming with one second left on the clock. And, uh, you know, the Husky defense showed up when it mattered. I know earlier in the year, man, you know, a lot was being said about the Husky defense and how it wasn't maybe up to snuff, especially in the secondary. Uh, but the second half of this season, they've been just as good as the offense at times. They've been so good. And in that moment, they they showed up when they had to. Do you think, I mean, I, so I have a, I have a couple of friends who are Texas fans and there's, there was a penalty discrepancy, by the way, it wasn't as close as it was after that, uh, after that kick catch interference, uh, was not as close as one, one friend said, uh, there was an uncalled pass interference on the final play, which I disagree with, by the way, watching, watching that play a million times. If you call pass interference on that last play, that's a robbery of the. A yeah. fan, a football fans, in my opinion. I mean, in, the, in that situation, I mean, it's like in a basketball game when a ref blows their whistle as time's expiring on a shot. It's like you're right. going to have to commit uh, felony assault to get a flag <laughs> in that situation. And rightfully so. I mean, I know there's a lot of people who are letter of the law people, but when you're on the other side of it, you know, you, it just feels like a great moment has been stolen from you. I thought sure. in general, I know like officiating is the subject of every single game no matter which side you're on. I thought in general that game was pretty well officiated last night. It felt like the game itself stood out. And, I mean, we've all been a part of games where it becomes a ref show, especially on some of these big stages. For sure. And it didn't feel like that yesterday. It felt like both teams had a legit shot. I'm sure 
there's probably some Texas fans out there that feel like they got robbed in certain situations. But I think objectively, any fan could look at that game and think that it went pretty fairly in both directions because you just didn't notice the officials that much, which is the hallmark of good officiating is that mm-hmm. if, you, if you don't feel like they stood out, then things probably went OK. Yeah, that's that's actually basically my exact opinion is there's like maybe a couple complaints I would have had. I was less sure of the uh, the catch, the running back catch at the end than apparently all of Twitter was. But um, I, I other than that, like, yeah, I do feel like it was pretty well officiated. I did see this. Uh, so <clears throat> the postgame festivities were uh, I get really bored really quick. I don't know what it is. I, I watched the dude mispronounce Kalen DeBoer's name. And I was like, okay, well, this is enough. I'll watch a little bit of Michael Penix, and then I'm out. I can't, I can't sit and like, you know, like uh, I feel like I'm leaving the stadium. Like I, I'm not gonna sit and watch this for 45 minutes. Um, but I did, I did. Uh, I'm gonna pull up the. I, I I played my hand a little earlier. There was the there was this exchange, uh, and tell me if you can't hear this because some. Oh, hold on, of course you can. Let's. If Scott wanted the technical difficulty segment, we gave it to him. Hold on. Uh, I didn't see this. So what is is this UW players getting uh, yelling at Texas fans or Texas fans yes. yelling at UW players? Okay. It was it was both. It was uh, tech, yeah, yeah. UW players yelling at Texas fans and then a Texas fan yelling, uh, like, don't forget me or remember me or something like that. And I guess, like, it became a story. It became a thing that, like, a rallying cry for Washington fans. And I'm just like, what do you want college football to be? If the fans can't yell at the opposing players, and in this case, yeah, he's an old white guy yelling at young black dudes. I understand how, like, optically that's bad in 2024, I guess. This is what what sports are. Is I yell at the opposing players if I if I I'm gonna boo them. I'm you know I'm not gonna throw batteries at them or anything like that. But of course, yeah, you're gonna yeah. yell at these guys. I, I think in especially with college sports, there's just so much of this element of everyone has to be classy. I saw people posting. <sighs> yeah, I, I understand. I saw people posting about uh, Husky fans posting after the game yesterday about how classy some of the Texas fans were, and there was apparently one Texas fan who just like stood at the exit and shook hands with all the Husky fans. Oh, what a loser. Great, yeah. Told Fuck them great, that guy. <laughs> I hate great that game guy. and good luck in the championship. And it's like, it's too much, man. Like th- I think everybody has in go emotion, home. You yeah, have a emotion. family. He probably doesn't have a family. Let's be <laughs> uh, nobody loves this man. He was looking for friends. Uh, but in these emotional games like this, I think every reaction is valid. I mean, obviously some people are assholes and will react much worse than others, but like it's valid. If, if you're invested in your team at a moment like that, where it's like the, one of the biggest games uh, you're going to react how you react. And it's, it's a valid enough reaction, you know, however you choose to do it. I mean, I was as excited yesterday as anyone could possibly be. I imagine Texas fans who, you know, they, they, that was their first college football playoff experience. I, I guess in some ways the Huskies have had it better because they've been there twice in the college football playoff sure. era. But for Texas fans, I'm sure they were, like, miserable. And, you know, obviously I see a lot of Husky fan stuff on social media. And, you know, a lot of people going back and, like, finding tweets from uh, from angry Texas fans and reposting that and, and things like that. And that's, that's fine. Um, but everyone, everyone is going to – talk a little trash about their team you know that's just kind of what we do and that is like you said that is what makes it fun 
Yeah. So I'm I'm good with it, man. I imagine next week with Michigan fans, it'll be wild too. We'll see how it goes, man. I don't really know what their fan base is like. It seems like based on where they're at in the country, they're probably big on the on being classy. I don't know. <laughs> Midwest. Yeah, there there's a thing, there's like a like an upper crust traditional thing when I guess the organization has been around for 150 years or whatever that is very annoying. And I agree with you. I don't like it. I think it stinks. And uh yeah, I'm uh I get so annoyed with all that tradition shit. Yeah, it's. I think it's a certain type of fan. I mean, it's like, like if golf meant football. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it is because, like, not to, not to discount people that didn't go to the college that they support, because there's a ton of fans out there. And because not, I am one of them. You are one of them. <laughs> yeah. and I don't want to insult you. Well, I kind of do. Yeah. I but uh, but you know, people always, especially with UW, there's always the jokes about oh, most of their fans didn't even go there, and. Uh, Every school has that, man. I've been to Pullman, the the whole city of Pullman. None of those people went to college. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like you can see it. It's very evident. But they still support the team, and that's totally fine. And it's the same thing with UW and and really any other school. It's like, so the I feel like the the class element kind of works its way in among the fans that did go to school. It's like you have like this upper crust fan base, yeah. and we have to be better than you know, the cavemen in the NFL and things like that. It's like, it's just sports, man. It's all a game. It's all silly yeah. and stupid. And we're all going to react goofy when our team does well and probably react uh, a little bit more unbecoming when our team doesn't. So it there's just, a great uh, Groucho Marx quote that is like, I would never join a club that would have me as a member. And the, the best thing UW ever did is not admitting me to their school. Okay. So, <laughs> and the next best thing they did was winning the game last night. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Rich, I'm gonna go Boudet zero Rich sex. Bidet, yes, Bidet, a, Bidet I know, I know just Budet. Budet. I was giving him Boudet, not Budet. Uh, he, he should be a sponsor. He's like, what is it? Tushy? Is that the? Is that the one of those Bidet brands? Uh, anyways, Rich Bidet. Uh, <laughs> the uh, yeah, zero sacks allowed. The the Texas defensive line, or I don't know what I don't I remember what the whole narrative around that was, but I know that there was a lot of shit talking bulletin board talk uh about the texas pass rush versus the untested to their to their definition anyway uh yeah. washington offensive line yeah man i think uh espn a week or two ago <clears throat> was talking about how the uw offensive line would have problems and then mm -hmm. literally like days later they won the award for best offensive line unit in the country so it just goes to show how much you know, ESPN knows at times when they're not watching Husky games. But, I mean, I think this is just, you know, the, the UW offensive line is obviously very good. Anyone who's watched them play this year can see that. I don't know if Texas's defensive line has looked better in other games. They certainly didn't look that good yesterday or not that impressive at least. Um, but it's just it kind of is one of those things with Pac-12 football or West Coast football in general. It, the same thing happens in basketball every year. Like, I really don't think Pac-12 basketball is as bad every year as right. uh, as people make it out to be because Pac-12 teams get into the NCAA tournament and then just start steamrolling opponents. And it's like teams that you didn't think were any good during the regular season. I think we have this because the coverage, the media coverage just doesn't extend out here the way that it should. And maybe that'll change as this conference realignment happens in the next year. But it, there's just so much ignorance towards uh, the football and basketball experiences out here. And then when you finally get on that big stage and are able to prove that these teams don't suck, I think it's kind of a surprise to a lot of, a lot of uh, 
I guess fans and media types out there that just don't watch these games. Yeah, this was, I will say after this game was the first time I've like truly missed the idea of the Pac-12 because it's kind of nice to be part of like the underdog. It's so much sweeter to be an underdog and win than it is to be the favorite and win. And the Pac-12 was like a perennial underdog every year. And now I don't know what it's going to look like because I don't even know where they're going to be, where the the Huskies are going to be situated in the Big Ten as far as like where they rank and how that'll affect. I mean, it's just going to change football so much. So I, I miss it. And it's kind of like, I don't know, I guess it's like, you know, you, you uh, moving out of the old shitty house you grew up in and you don't miss it until you're like, shit, the day I leave, you're like, I kind of wish I could stay for a little bit longer, you know? Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this before, like the end of the past, it would just be poetic if Washington wins the championship simply because they're a Pac-12 team at the end of the Pac-12, which would in some ways kind of be hilarious and also damning towards college sports. But, you know, as a fan of a team whose chances at the playoff will, I guess, theoretically be improved in the future by being part of the Big Ten, you know, I guess to me it's a good thing. But I do feel like I feel exactly what you just stated about the Pac-12. It's it's. You know, the fact that we're moving to the Big Ten, it doesn't mean there's going to be more eyes on the team necessarily. If we get put into these windows where we're playing 7 o'clock West Coast kickoffs or even 4 o'clock West Coast kickoffs, like the people on the East Coast still aren't going to watch those games. Right. They're just they're supposed to be paying more attention because we're in a more prominent conference now. And we'll see if they actually do. But right. I mean, whether whether you're. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not so sure that the conference matters as much as just the geography and the fact that a lot of people who have a say in how college football plays out just simply don't watch a lot of West Coast games, either because of the time issue or because they sure. simply don't care. I don't know. But it's tough, man. It is. It's it's there's not a whole lot you can do <laughs> about time zones and geography when you're when you're part of this. Yeah, we should move on because we're now like two weeks into this story and it keeps getting better. And uh, I think that the window's closing quickly on it, much like perhaps Russell Wilson's career. Uh, Russell Wilson got benched by Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos. There's been, Russell Wilson has become a, a laughing stock in the last two years, especially in Seattle, because fans are very happy with the way the trade turned out. I think at the beginning, many fans weren't, and now they are. And now Russell Wilson is, I you know, I think everybody thought Sean Payton made like he would just revive Russell. I don't think everyone thought this the whole time. At, at some point they thought if Russell Wilson teamed up with Sean Payton, he would become Drew Brees 2.0 because he's short. And that for some reason is an attribute in people's minds because Drew Brees was not a super tall quarterback. He immediately clashes with Sean Payton after uh, basically running Nathaniel Hackett out of town, gets benched. And now the Broncos are facing this enormous dead cap hit. Russell Wilson, by the way, for the first time, in my memory of Russell Wilson is like speaking in a dissenting manner about the team, actually being honest about when yeah. they approached him to change his injury guarantee. It's, it's, it's actually almost to me done like a little bit of a character renovation on Russell Wilson, because yeah. I think everybody's on his side that he's getting fucked by Denver. He's actually played somewhat well this year. There's no way a reasonable person thinks Jared Stidham is a better quarterback that it's obviously for financial reasons. And I think people look at him and go like, great for standing up for yourself. Uh, it's the, the most, I think I saw Danny O'Neill write this. 
it's the most positive press he's gotten in Seattle or maybe nationwide in two years is this like this event and go ahead no i was i was just uh you finish with that so so i I mean it seems like it's very obvious that in some way uh he's gonna leave denver after this season and because he has a no trade clause and no incentive to help the broncos and no incentive to hurt the team that he goes to he's not gonna let him trade him i don't think so he's gonna get cut and he's gonna be a free agent as perhaps the most unique free agent in the history of football i think it feels like russell's career trajectory at this point is to be the quarterback of some bad teams until he retires that's how i see it going like if you're ready to see russell in atlanta (laughs) or russell in like tampa bay get ready because i think that's what's coming next for him i think i mean like you said he has been getting some positive press here because it does feel like he's kind of getting screwed out of his contract a little bit. I mean, he's going to make a ton of money regardless. Sure. So you can't feel that bad for him. But it is interesting to see that he's having what appears to be the first authentic reaction of his career. And um, because he is reacting like a normal human being and not a robot, people are finally coming around to his side a little bit. And it's like, dude, if you would have spent you know, the last few years just acting like a normal human being, You'd probably have more people on your side. I mean, I feel like, you know, when Russell was in Seattle, there were a lot of people, obviously, that supported him. But they supported him with the caveat that he is the quarterback of the team you love. As soon as he wasn't the quarterback of the team you love anymore, it really didn't matter what you thought of Russell Wilson. He was gone. There are obviously some Russell Wilson stands out there. (laughs) Sure. They're typically vocal and a little weird. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Much like they're uh, much like they're uh, their hero. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I guess you see yourself in him, which is fine. Russ just seems like one of those dudes, and we've talked about it before. He, he just doesn't know who he is, you know? Sure. And because he doesn't know who he is, he, it's like he's cosplaying as a normal human being. And uh, when he does that, people see through that. And this is the first time where it's like he's upset about something. Uh, he has reason to be upset. He's reacting like an upset person. All of the things align that make sense to normal human beings. So I can understand why people would suddenly be like, all right, this dude is, uh, I guess we can relate to him in some way or another. But yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be tough for him, man. It's all right. He's 33, right? He's just getting up there. I think he's, I think he's, is he 35? I thought he was 35. Hold oh on. man. He might be even, he might be even older than I thought, or he could be. 35. He is 35. He turned uh, okay. 35. Yeah. In this November. is, I mean, this is. There's not. It's not like he's as mobile as he once was. He did play pretty well this year, but uh, like, who's gonna want? Who who wants to deal with the Russell Wilson circus? Well, that's- let me tell you, Alex. I have a proposal because <laughs> I'm gonna be the guy that's gonna give you the thing that everyone says you can't talk about because it's so stupid and it's completely unrealistic and blah 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 blah. You do that a lot, and yeah, I know that's my. I make a huge habit out of that. <laughs> so I fully understand. There's two caveats to this. If Russell Wilson was going to come back to Seattle, two major caveats. One is, does the team have any interest in him returning? Two is, does he have any interest in returning? Now, let me tell you why they might. And I, I guess there's, it really to me boils down to just, no, give me, I'm going to, I got a lot of time to spend on this. So you better stop fucking shaking your head. The question is really, do you think that Russell Wilson is equal or better as a quarterback than Geno Smith and Drew Locke? Because, He's going to essentially cost veterans minimum next year. He's the biggest problem 
with quarterbacks in the NFL and with Russell Wilson in his final years in Seattle is their cap number takes up so much space. He takes up so much of the cap that it's impossible to build a good team around those guys. And time and time again, we hear about how hard it is to build around a franchise quarterback on a huge deal. And then you get you have this guy who you could basically get for free, functionally free in the NFL. I know what it's like $1.2 million to call that free. I mean, that's we make that. It takes a full year to make that on this podcast. So the <laughs> I don't want to look. <laughs> but this guy is, if, if the egos can be set aside, and, and the reason I have some hope that that's possible is Bobby Wagner returned to Seattle after a horrendous departure, after a disrespectful to Bobby Wagner departure. Yeah. I is. Do you have more? Continue. Keep th- making your case if you like. Do, so I guess it's to me, it's pretty obvious that it, it may not be by a large margin, but that Russell Wilson is a slightly better quarterback than Geno Smith or Drew Locke. He comes I, with a, a yeah. ton of baggage. You disagree with that? I disagree. Okay. I disagree, and here's why I disagree. Uh, I totally get where you're coming from. Like, fiscally, Russell going forward makes some sense because you're not having to pay him that much as long as you're not the Denver Broncos to be your quarterback. So you can sign him up, and it won't cost you a whole lot. And we've talked before about how the game in the end. By the way, the Broncos is- are free to sign him to a, a minimum contract after they cut him too. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> if uh, if you'll point. go there. Yeah, I mean, the game in the NFL is making sure you're not paying your quarterback so much that it prohibits you from building a good team around yep. that quarterback. So in that respect, it does make a lot of sense to have a 35-year-old Russell Wilson as your QB. But why I disagree that he's any better than Geno Smith or Drew Locke, I think where you're looking at it is through the lens of, A, the past, like what he's done in the past, and B, um, the tangibles, what you see on the field. And you might be right. I mean, I think at this point, his tangibles might actually measure up pretty comparably to Geno Smith. But his intangibles are the problem. And that's where I don't think he's as good as Geno or Drew Locke or it, name any other It's interesting, though, because like a couple years ago, those were his strength. That was the thing that everyone that pointed was, to. They were Those were his purported strengths. But sure. the reality was those weren't his strengths. And I think that's kind of come to light a little bit since he left Seattle. I mean, you've, we've talked about all of his ex-teammates that kind of bashed him. Sure. And I think part of the reason it was easy to mitigate the personality issues he had in the locker room with his teammates and coaches and whomever is because you had some of the most outspoken people in NFL history as his teammates. You know, you had so many lightning rods in that locker room that it was easy to just kind of overlook anything Russell was doing in the corner, right? Sure. And when he became the focal point of the team, that's when things started to regress. You know, when when all of those guys in the Legion of Boom and some of those other players departed and it was really just Russ as the face of the Seahawks, things started going downhill. And it really hasn't – I mean, we don't know what it's been like in Denver, but last year was a complete disaster. This year is very, you know, middle of the road, and they're middle of the road with – what they believe is one of the greatest coaches in NFL history, I guess. So say what you will about all of that, but it's, I don't think his future is um, like I said, this is why I think his future is with some bad teams because the teams that are going to see the financial flexibility in signing somebody like that for very cheap uh, are going to probably be in a position where it's like, you're either drafting a quarterback. That's the future of your franchise and trying to make do with them on their rookie contract or you're taking a flyer on this veteran that doesn't cost a whole lot and trying to build around him for a few years. 
And uh, do, do you agree think... with me on this? Pete yeah. Carroll's not going to draft and develop a quarterback. Uh, I don't know. Pete's so different, man. He's so weird. Like, he's 72, but he doesn't think he's 72. He's done it <laughs> one time since coming to the Seahawks. He was very successful. But otherwise, he's tried to have these stopgap solutions. He had Tavares Jackson. He had Matt Flynn. That yeah. he, by the way, thought. And by the way, I was very much against uh, Russell Wilson starting when he did. Like, the whole... Yeah. The, the handling of him at the beginning, I was very wrong, by the way, or, or you think I'm right. You In your mind, it's like Mike Pence decided the Seahawks didn't win the Super Bowl. And... <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, yeah, the beginning, it was tough to know what they were doing in the beginning because they but, had just... But my point in. is, my point is, if you, there's like, I think you have only a couple, like just biology, you only have a couple of years left with Pete Carroll. And if you could give him, this team has a lot of talent. This team has a lot of talent that fits Russell Wilson's skill set. Has a lot of talent to be yeah. a good defense. And uh, ooh, we got to. I don't know. I don't know if it. This if... is. I don't think this is right. By the way, because Kyle Taylor, he says he'll probably end up with a Jimmy G, Derek Carr level of contract and situation. I believe that every dollar he earns on his next contract, he loses the that money from the the Denver Broncos. I believe he can. They can because they're going to be paying him not only bonus like prorated bonus, yeah, the dead I, cap, but also salary. I definitely hear what you're saying. I don't think I'd focus on the contract part of that, but I think the situation part of that makes sense. You know, he's going to be a starting quarterback for hire, basically, and uh, like like Derek Carr, like Jimmy Garoppolo, and it probably right. won't. It'll probably go about the same as it's gone for those guys. And, and I like. First of all, but the Seahawks have been making those guys into playoff guys anyway. Yeah, That's yeah. what I'm but saying. It's, it's, it's just it's a non-starter with the Seahawks because I don't think it's, that could be true. Ron Schneider That's... and Pete Carroll have any desire to indulge Russell Wilson. I, Here's I what I'll tell you: six months ago, I six months ago I made a bet. Maybe not six months ago, but I made a bet with some guys, and I uh, that Russell Wilson by the end of 2025 would play for the Seahawks. I foresaw part of this happening. It seemed pretty obvious once his contract kicked in, like it was going to be tough, and if he wasn't producing. Uh, and that shit was going bad with Sean Payton. Definitely wasn't six months ago, by the way. I'm not that much of a of a uh, of a seer or whatever, but uh, I'm not that clairvoyant. But I'm telling you, don't my th my opinion is don't write off the idea unless I mean I understand you have some inside information maybe that I don't have. I don't think he, I, I think it's just uh, I think it's just the reality of the relationship. I, I think you would have said have. that. I think you would have said that about Bobby Wagner when he was no. with the Rams. No, but the I way think, that ended, I think it would it ended in a very toxic manner. I, I don't think it ended in a toxic manner at all. I think the the portrayal of Bobby Wagner getting cut was uh, portrayed as being toxic, but I think it was something that both sides got over very quickly. And you know, Bobby Wagner is like one of the best human beings you've ever employed, at the Seahawks. So it's a lot different than Russell Wilson, you know. And and that's the thing. I think. The, the people that see Russell as being just a, a great human being, see, I, I can a, understand why you would, because he's charitable or whatever, but he does it for publicity, not for charity. And that's the I do have I do have a friend, like, by the way. I have a friend. Uh, I guess I'm not going to out him, but his wife has been trained as an FBI. Um, he knows this is coming. Probably by the way. shouldn't out this guy. Yes. Has not, she's not in the FBI, but she's been given FBI training on like facial tells and stuff like that. And she says that when she watches a Russell Wilson press conference, it's like he's lying and is a complete narcissist. And it's so obvious. 
Uh, this Mark Harris, Gino's Gino is better than Russ right now. Love what Russ did, but he's bad now. This is the deal. When Gino when Gino Smith got named the starter in Seattle, people were pissed. Nobody here has any talent evaluation ability. This is, I'm not saying I do either. I'm but, saying but Russ. You, put, you, we've is, seen it in the system to, a couple years ago. You do this thing. And I get I'm excited. It. You, I'm excited. No, no, you do this thing because you're super analytical or whatever about sports. I get that. I get. That. Oh God, is this? If this is a, if this is supposed to be some sort of fucking no, uh, you, you revolution do. against analytics, I'm going to be pissed. No, because I can see why you're you're making the case for us for the Seahawks or any other team really, because it's fiscally responsible, and we know that that's that wins championships in the NFL. So I totally get the case you're making. I, but, I actually don't. I don't know that it's a good move for like Atlanta or somebody like that. I think he's a guy that could come here, play two years, and he and Pete Carroll ride off into the sunset, reunited. There's no, that's never gonna happen. Okay, <laughs> can we give me odds and then let's bet money on it? Uh, okay, I'll give you uh, what's a what's a good number that's that I would be comfortable with. I'll give you like twenty to one. That's twenty it. to one. How much? How much would you be willing to put up at twenty to one? Ten bucks? Is that fair? Uh, that's two hundred bucks. That's not that. Yeah, that's good. I, are we doing something illegal on, on this podcast uh, right now? I don't know. Um, okay, we can move on from the topic. As long as my I can make two hundred dollars off of this, then I'm uh, then I'm happy. With what it. are the terms? Is that he becomes the Seahawks quarterback this coming season? Next, season? I say before the end of twenty twenty five. I feel like it's got to be next year. No, what are you scared? No. Before well, the I mean, end of the anything could happen because here's the thing. Next year, let's say if Pete and John get fired or whatever, they both re- they both quit. Then that changes I, the dynamic entirely. Mike Hansen uh, says, "Let's go young, Penix, Fields, something like that." By the way, people, I saw people. I fully agree on Justin Fields. I love Justin Fields. I saw people suggesting the Seahawks trade a mid round pick for Justin Fields. Everyone's like, "No, you don't need it." Blah blah blah. Hold on, I gotta I gotta uh, take a pause real quick and go. Uh, I'm gonna. I gotta text my wife. Her uh, having a <laughs> okay. problem with her car right well, now. Well, let me talk about Justin Fields really quick. I, I think there's first of all, there's no way that Justin Fields is. Le- I don't think Chicago's letting him leave. I, I think they understand like the times that he's been bad in Chicago. There's been a lot of other stuff going on around him. Players have been injured. He's been not been. You don't think they're taking Caleb Williams, or you think they're trading out of that pick? I I don't know. I think they'll. Are you that checked out of the draft? You don't. You're not a draft guy. No, I just think that they'd be foolish to let fields go it's like it's if you think caleb williams is the answer then you already have that in fields basically and he's proven himself in the nfl to some degree but i mean if justin fields becomes available i think every team in the league that needs a quarterback will be interested in him especially if it doesn't cost that much in a trade i mean that a mid-round pick for a a franchise quarterback is yeah josh smith says Fields is costing more than a mid-round pick. I would think. I agree so. that he's worth more than a mid-round pick, but I don't know that it's for sure that he's going to cost more. But that's yeah. I mean, it, it's, that's it, fully it, up it, to the market. It's obviously. totally market-driven. If if the word gets around that Chicago's out on him and they're drafting a quarterback, then he probably only does cost a mid-round pick because all your leverage is gone at that point. You sure. don't have any leverage. You're not going to keep him. So. Um, yeah, if that becomes the case, then certainly. But I, I think the reality. The nice thing is, about too, the nice thing about drafting Michael Penix is he's. Not that young, so it's good. He's uh, he graduated the same year as me, so that's somebody posts that he's a day older than uh, Trey Lance. So, (laughs) oh wow, that's great. Yeah, but I mean, that's going to be the that's the future of the NFL at the quarterback position, especially with NIL. I mean, that was Russ's deal too, by the way. He was like a fifth year uh, and had been like a five year starter most of or 
chunks of five years. Joe Burrow starting. a couple years ago is another sure. example of a guy who was on the older side. And it's like uh, – I think Burrow you know, only with, had one year starting, though. I think that's a big – Yeah. With big with deal. NIL, though, you'll, you'll have guys who are sticking around in college longer than they have in the past. I think running backs will still go early because there's so, such a premium on – youth and age at the running back position but sure. for quarterbacks especially like you're going to make so much money in nil a lot of these guys are going to make more in nil than they would as a draft pick so just stick around for another year make yeah. your money and then see what happens josh smith give me odds on the mid-round pick and then let's gamble i'm, I'm in a gambling mood i'm i think i'm going to the eqc sports book this weekend by the way <laughs> maybe i don't know my i think my wife might throw me out of the house if i'm doing that and comedy in the same weekend but anyway um okay I want to tell you about on New Year's Eve. I went to the Seahawks game, and I yeah. stayed in a. I sat in a suite. Yeah, how'd you Not, end up in a suite? So you've been to like two games in the past couple weeks. Like two, uh, the last two home games, maybe. Or and you hadn't gone in years, right? That was the deal. You hadn't gone in years. Ooh, ten, hold on, Josh Smith. Uh, we got the odds are ten to one. That's ten whiskeys. Okay, I'll take ten to one odds. I'll buy you a whiskey, Josh Smith. If uh, if if. Uh, I assume I'm on the 10 side of this because you're so certain. So you're going to buy, by the way, if Josh Smith's buying me 10 whiskeys, he's taking me home. I, it's, that's a rough, uh, that's a rough night. And I don't mean to my home, by the way. Say, he didn't <laughs> offer up the Uber at the same time. He just, offered it's your responsibility. For um, the, uh, so yeah, I, I, uh, the first one I got tickets because my mom got them as like a gift. And so she brought me and then yeah. the, these ones, uh, my friend, owns uh a restaurant we'll say and uh, which is like that is true it is a restaurant and he uh one of his vendors has a suite and wow. so we got to go there i got the i got the the pretty good hookup um and it was great i uh i will say every time i go to a game i think i should do this more often i should get season tickets i started pricing season tickets and then the the drive there and like the hassle to get in and then the hassle to get out and the what is a three hour experience at home becomes a seven or eight hour experience to see it. You Full can't day. watch you can't watch the early games. You miss most of the late games. Like it's it's a hassle. And because of that, I'm uh because of that, like I, I don't know. That, this is why I don't go to a lot of games, is because it's like it is a huge hassle. Yeah, and, I, used to uh, go to, I used to go to a ton of Seahawks games, and I totally get it, man. It is a, it's a full day event, pretty much, and uh, you're gonna be tired the next day. Yeah, a lot, a lot of. Th so I totally understand why people wouldn't go, and I respect people that do. I mean, it's, and that's I, that's kind of the case with any sporting event, but especially with football. Football is such a, so much more of a time suck than any yes. other sport that you'll go see. So yeah, I get it. But you're in the suite, so it's worth. So the it. suite, I mean, though, yeah, the, the yeah. suite makes it. The suite takes away some of the worst things. It's warmer. It's you have your own private bathroom. This vendor is. I had like nine Bodie's offas. Don't tell my wife. I think we we lied and said I had five when uh, or four when we got home. I believe I had nine Bodie's offas and a Stella Artois. Um, I, maybe I had seven Bodie's offas, a Stella Artois. I had a Kokanee in this mix, dude. Jesus, I was man. I was going nuts. The uh, um, but it's all free. I had uh, there was. Did uh, you feel? Did you feel like Taylor Swift? For a minute just being up in the suite in an nfl game just like she's been all season i was blowing kisses the tight ends all over the place dude and uh i'm not talking about the football players um no i was <laughs> <laughs> just work that into your act yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be 1990 for me to work that into my act i think uh 
No, it, it really does spoil you because you're like, everything is just so much nicer. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking at these people because I'm sitting right next to the window and these fucking scum are walking by to uh, go to their shitty seats. And I'm like, you piles of shit. The fact that you and I could have shared the same bathroom, I can't believe it. <laughs> have you ever sat in a suite anywhere? I have. I have Mariner games. I've been uh, a couple times to a suite at a Mariner game. I don't, man, I don't think I've done it at any kind of football game. So, yeah, it's, it's strictly been baseball, which is a different crowd. But I, I, even when I've done it at the baseball game, you definitely feel like uh, you're elite. Yes. You are truly elite. I I will say I think that the gap between non-suite seats and seat suite, suite seats, the, the gap is the largest in football. I've been in a baseball suite also, and it's not even – better in my opinion i love the bleachers dude i love sitting in the bleachers it's a better view of the game it's it's i love everything about the bleachers to me the like the anything down the lines unless you're like trying to get a ball that's the only benefit is uh is garbage compared to being in the bleachers and all those suites are high up and it's a bad view you you gotta watch the game on tv to enjoy it Sweet at a football, football game. It's like, hey, the, it, during football season, you're always going to have the elements. And the weather is yeah. going to be worse. Baseball season, for the most part, good weather. Sure. But football season, man, if you can get out of the cold, get away from the rain, that makes it all worthwhile. Whoever had the idea for sweets is a real son of a bitch. <laughs> I mean, good idea. But you really excluded a lot of people. So you're The, the other thing I did, by the way, I looked up. Because, yeah, they, they take up a lot of space. And I so I was like... How much would it cost for some friends and I to like throw in on a suite? They're like, they're like, uh, uh, 16, uh, 16 seats, I think. And then maybe you could fit a couple other people in them. I don't know what the, yeah. what the rules are. Five or six parking passes. I've done this research recently. So I, what do you think what? the minimum price of a Seahawks suite is? Uh, so how many people does it, does it hold? I think it's 16. 16 i would say uh at least twenty thousand dollars it's i believe it's 15 to twenty five thousand dollars is yeah. the starting price yeah. and uh yeah it's it's uh it's you just don't ever, you never want to price out a suite i've priced out a suite for a seattle thunderbirds game which is really i love the thunderbirds but let's be honest that's junior hockey that's 16 yes. years out there i've priced out a suite you got a lot of leg room in most of those games a lot of, a lot of <laughs> room to move around in most of those games yeah i've priced out a suite for that and it was discouraging so if that's discouraging i mean at the pro level i mean come on man much worse <laughs> um yeah so anyways we're there for this uh pittsburgh steelers game i will say two brave steelers fans made their way into the suite and that's a wow. tough place to be because you've isolated yourself if you're a steelers fan I actually sat almost directly behind where I was at at the Eagles game, where it was. Uh, there were, by the way, the, the two Phil or the two uh, Pennsylvania teams. That's what I'm there to see. Is I want to see Pennsylvania. Yeah, you take see a all the down. Pennsylvania teams apparently. Yeah, um, but I was directly behind it, and that side of the field, obviously, I think has. I, I think it's obvious that it's there's more. Both times there were more opposing teams fans over there, but it is like we were looking down on the club level. And there's just a lot of Steelers fans there. There were a lot of Eagles fans oh, yeah. there. Yeah. And uh, it's in that setting, you have like a lot of allies around you. But in a suite, you have like 14 people who all like the Seahawks to some degree. I would suspect there were there was a couple people in there that were like really big fans. And most of the people were like, 
We had like a very annoying child, like a 15 year old behind us. That's only annoying because he's young. There's nothing about him in particular that was annoying, but he's just like, you know, <laughs> the sweet crowd in general at any sporting event is subdued. It's always yes. going to be subdued because it's like, it's, it's usually through some work event. So it's like half the people there don't even really care. They're just there because it's sweet or because they're getting dragged to this thing. So it's always going to be subdued, but it's still brave to go to that game. And it's all like, because it's the, because of the nature of the vendor, it's like all restaurant owners or employees or friends or whatever. These aren't like the folks that are coming into this suite are not the upper crust of society that you might expect in a Taylor Swift suite. This guy's like me. This other guy like me in this suite. So you know it can't be that good. Uh, the, the crowd, anyway. The suite's amazing, by the way. I don't want to complain about the suite at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that was brave. And then the Seahawks, I mean, I'll tell you, I was, I was watching the game through a little bit of an IPA haze. So it was frustrating like to watch. They, uh, they, they got run. By the way, I normally don't mix alcohol and sports very much. And then, uh, boy, that uh, I'll, I'll have like a beer or two at the most. And then they, um, yeah, they make them free, and it's so hard not to just take. I'm just it's true cheaper than I am. Cle clearly, you are a fiscally motivated person after that whole Russell Wilson <laughs> conversation. So when you start doing the math on how much a beer at a stadium would cost you, and then reason that it's free and then it's like well i'm saving like 150 bucks here i might as well indulge yes i, I understand yeah so from my perspective it looked like the i mean the defense got run all over i didn't think that uh the offense played particularly badly but the defense got run all over there were big plays here and there but i mean that defense is a problem i guess if you had a really inexpensive quarterback you could probably afford to pay a couple defenders i don't know i don't know if that's an opinion <laughs> that anyone else shares the but they've paid the defense they have good players on defense and they just didn't play well i don't know man that um yeah they look like the seahawks look like shit against the steelers who are not a good team especially with a backup quarterback technically like a third string quarterback and mason rudolph running the team i know he's started games in the past but He's basically a third stringer. Sure. And uh, it didn't look good. And Najee Harris looked like he did as a rookie. Remember when Najee Harris was a rookie and everyone thought he was going to be like the next great running back? And then ever since then, he's been terrible, just terrible. Like I, every fantasy league I'm in, someone's still holding on to Najee Harris, hoping he will be a great back like he was as a rookie. And against the Seahawks, he was. It was a vintage Najee Harris performance. Who's the other dude that they have, though? The, um, oh, my God. What is his name? James something, maybe. Jalen uh, Warren, the other runner. Jay, yeah, Jalen Warren. He, yeah. he looked like Najee Harris. Like, there was no difference. There was no drop-off. Warren's, Warren's been good. Warren's sure. actually been good at times. But Najee's they, they been They all looked they like. Both, they both carved up the Seahawks. Can I, disappointing. The, uh, what was the dude's name? The uh, Charlie. What was the Charlie dude's name that played for the. Uh, fe, quarterback? No. No, quarterback? he. No, you're thinking of uh, Charlie Batch. Yeah, I was. No, Willie Parker. Fast Willie Parker. Oh, I'm, yeah. One of my favorite ever interviews is uh, Willie Parker. They go, he goes, yeah, they call me Fast Willie Parker. They go, why do you call, why do they call you Fast Willie Parker? He goes, because I'm fast. Like, what a great, <laughs> what a great answer. That's why you just nickname people based on their attributes. It's yeah, so just, much easier that way. Yeah, tall. <laughs> I'm fat Casey. Uh <laughs> You're half Asian, Alex. I don't know. I don't know what the <laughs> characteristics I'm allowed uh, to even talk about. Are the next show you do, just have them introduce you as Fat Casey. I bet you the crowd will laugh their ass off. Yeah, that's <laughs> fucked up with that crowd. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, did you throw a drink at anybody from your suite? 
because I hear that's <laughs> what people do now. No, I, I, uh, I didn't. I should have. That's what that's what I learned is the appropriate behavior. I'm trying to get this uh, stupid window to share. These are the technical difficulties that you could be missing out on is if you're video, not watching on video. This a video of the Panthers owner throwing his drink. I didn't actually see the video. I just heard that he did it. Yeah, I'm going to try to make this so you can hear the audio. Could you hear the audio earlier? Yes, I could. Yes. Oh, I All guess I heard... just I couldn't. That's that's annoying. Oh, I could hear it. It was just a lot of yelling, though. It was, you know, incoherent yelling. Oh, did you see during the game yesterday when the uh, fan on Bourbon Street flashed a boob? I did funny. see that. That was fantastic. Yeah. It was it's one great. of the best it... parts of being at the Sugar Bowl instead of the uh, the Rose Bowl. ESPN apologized for that today. I don't know. You know, you don't need to apologize for that. It I was believe so that. Okay. Let's so see this video. I want to tell you before we, because you can see this video now, right? I can see it. Yes. Okay. So what I, 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 uh, want, to see his, I want to see his throwing form. He might be a better quarterback than Bryce Young. It's going to be a little disappointing because you don't get to see like the full motion, the full windup. You just, you kind of just see the velocity out of his hand. But I want to tell you a thing because I learned this going to a suite at the Seahawks game. There is two, there are two levels of suites at the Seahawks game. There is a, what they call the club suites. And then like the real suites where you're like, I actually, uh, I saw a journalist and, uh, a guy who shared a wedding party with me, Mike Dugar, you know, Michael Sean Dugar. I do. I used to play basketball with them. Okay. So I saw him walking in and then we, once we got up to the point where he walked in, they go, nah, you guys go downstairs. What the fuck do you think you're doing uh, here? So I wasn't a suite, but I was in a lower suite. But what is interesting to me is that the owner of the Panthers is in a suite we're a fan. You'll see this. Hold on. Let's just play it. I assume you can hear. Uh... No, I can't hear anything now. Oh, my it's, it's God. Oh, That's shit. Okay. Just Hold on. The... Okay, here we go. No, still nothing. But it Jesus Christ. The so anyway, really the, the, the point is. is... Can, you, can you play it one more time? I got to see this. I got to see yeah. it again. It really needs to be like in slow-mo. So I know, that's we... him in the gray. Yeah, it's him on the right in the gray. But so what I what I am surprised about in this video is that the Panther. By the way, what's frustrating is now neither of these could I hear them, which is very frustrating, and I, it really lives up to the tech challenges that we have. But the audio was irrelevant. the The throw was not great either. That's right. But uh, the he's very exposed because literally in one of the videos you see a guy like climb up onto and like start yelling at him in the suite. This I thought the, he was going to be like yeah. a full level above this guy throwing shit out at somebody. He's feet away. That guy could have climbed into the suite and beat his ass. Yeah, this uh okay, this game was in Jacksonville, correct? Wasn't that the deal? So he's on the road, I assume. Oh, there I we go. That it, I guess I that it, I don't think it was in Carolina. Let, yeah, you're right. Know. Okay, so they put him in a low level suite in a dog shit it's, suite. It's not get... it's not that, it, that that's not what I was thinking. But yeah, you're right. It probably is a lesser suite. But Jacksonville is just an older stadium. So it's probably like uh you know, the ninety stadium suites are a lot different than today's suites, I think. And yeah, it's clearly he was exposed enough to be able to throw that drink. He didn't have to throw it very far. But man, that guy is I mean, he's a train wreck. The Panthers are a train wreck in general. But the story out of Carolina is that their owner, David Tepper, the guy who throws the drink, he overruled his GM on the, the quarterback draft. You know, he was the one that he wanted. They could have drafted C.J. Stroud. Instead, yep. he takes Bryce Young. Bryce Young's been pretty much a disaster all year. And uh, and now he's he's living in it. He fired everybody else, and he's the one who's going to have to 
live in this bed he made, and now it just gets worse for the poor Panthers. I, I actually have I, – I feel like I kind of have a soft spot for the Panthers. I've been to two games in Carolina. And God, I've you had, want to stop bragging about it. I love – I like their stadium. I like I, – their mascot's cool, Sir Purr. <laughs> I, I love that. Sir Purr. I hate that name it's so much. It's a great name. It's no, it like, like Blitz is like a very generic name for a mascot. It has nothing to do with being a bird. It's just Blitz, right? But Sir Purr is funny. They're, they 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 call their uh, their dancers the Top Cats. I don't know. It's it all. They keep it all on brand. Okay. Is top cat Cats food. doesn't touch seagulls. For the record, seagulls is way better than Top Cats. Yeah, Seagulls is probably better because it sticks with the theme. But the fact that they keep everything aligned on brand in Carolina, that says something. They keep it all cat-themed. In Seattle, they're like, here's Blitz. It has well, maybe, to do, with do you think maybe then the owner was just knocking a drink off of the off of the table like a cat? Do you think that's what was that's going on? possible that's what he was doing. He's This guy is just – because he's only been the owner of the team for a couple of years, and it just sure. hasn't gone well for him. But it's not like the Panthers have much legacy anyway. I mean, their best years were with Jake DeLome. So that was a while back. Yeah. They had a couple good years with Cam Newton, as I recall. Uh, they were okay. Yeah, they were really I they went to a Super Bowl. I don't know if that's right. They, but they, I, didn't, they didn't win anything. Though. They didn't win a Super Bowl. They just made the Seahawks' lives miserable for a few years there. <laughs> they just constantly were destroying the Seahawks. And yeah. still, I don't mind the Panthers that much. So I hope things get better. Good luck, Carolina fans. It doesn't look good for you. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to not have a team that has an embarrassing owner. I don't think they have the have any Seattle teams ever really had like a super publicly embarrassing owner. I know some of the stories that came out about Howard Schultz were pretty embarrassing in retrospect, but I don't know that there was anything that was like publicly super. No Jimmer say no, yeah, Jerry Jones. No one's been like a a clown show. It's like sure. we've had a lot of bad owners in Seattle. Like, sure. I mean, there was like a run of owners that tried to sell and move our teams. <laughs> it's like Ken Baring tried to move the Seahawks. He literally drove him down to California and then yeah. he found out he couldn't do that. And then Paul Allen rescued the team. And then the Mariners had Jeff Smolian first, who tried to move the team to Tampa. Couldn't do that. So Nintendo bought it. You can mm -hmm. say what you want about Nintendo, whether you thought they were good or not. And now you can say what you want about John Stanton. They've had all these bad owners. Yeah. But no one's been just a complete unmitigated disaster. Maybe that's the next step for us. We need somebody who's not only willing to make the franchise bad, but also embarrass themselves in the process. That's what's next for us. <laughs> oh, wow. This is an interesting book idea, by the way. Jared Jud Judnick, The Dirt not, You Could Write. I would never write that. Because it would, be, it, would, it would out too many people I like. That's the thing. Yeah. Maybe when they're all dead and I'm very old. You know, that's the thing. When you Watch get out, Curtis Crabtree. The date, <laughs> we're all counting down until you die. Uh, you that's know, not you true. Old, I don't even know, know you at all. Old sports writers, they just have nothing. They just write books. That's what they do. You get done yeah. with sports writing, it's like you have nothing else to talk about. Just write a book, a memoir. How, yeah, the, Howard Schultz made an ass of himself. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember him making a, I mean, I think he's like been somewhat embarrassing since he was an owner, but I don't remember him being. Yeah. And, and like he was definitely, I think, alienated players by trying to be their friend and trying. He like wanted to treat them like employees and also his buddies. Like it was a, it was a, he had a lot of problems with oh, that. Michael Scott. But yeah, but we found out about that stuff after he left Seattle, not or after the team left Seattle more, more accurately, not, not uh, yeah. while he was here. Um, I mean, but, the worst yeah. example, the worst example, it wasn't technically an owner, but Kevin Mather obviously was very bad. 
he didn't he wasn't the best yeah a lot of a lot of transgressions obviously one that stood out from above the rest but you know it's always that type of thing once you once you uh step in the mud and get in trouble then everybody piles on with all the stories of how reprehensible your behavior is at all times and that's like it's like dan snyder when he was in washington you know like the the stories would just pile on and pile on and eventually you just can't get out from underneath that and rightfully so i mean if someone is that shitty uh, we should all, we should out them for sure. Yeah. It's kind of, it reminds me, remember when Marvin Harrison got outed as a murderer and then we were like, oh, he also was mean to a towel boy. You're like, oh, well, I think, I think that you might've buried the lead on that. I don't think that's as big of a story anymore. You could have done that while he was playing. Yeah. yeah. The murderer thing. I mean, he just kind of got away with it. Right. Like that's, yes. I don't really, I've, I haven't dug into that story in a long time, but I make jokes about it all the time still just like for fun, especially with Marvin Harrison Jr. Being in the spotlight now. It's like, yeah. There's a lot of jokes to be made about Marvin Harrison Sr. Ray Lewis got away with it too, man. I don't know. How Something about being a football player. There's another fellow named OJ Simpson. I'm not sure if you're, oh, if you're familiar with. Him. He must be <laughs> before my time. Orange Julius. Uh... OJ at least, to OJ's credit, he at least laid a ton of groundwork as being like a really good spokesperson, an actor. He was just a dude that like he did everything he could to make himself likable so that people would not see how much of a monster he was behind the scenes. Marvin Harrison and Ray Lewis, they didn't do a whole lot of that, you know. Well, Marvin Harrison work. felt like the kind of guy that was just like a lunch pail, show up, work harder than everyone, you know, crisp routes. He Those was... guys are always the killers. Every time you hear about <laughs> killers, it's always the guy who's like, oh, yeah, he just kind of kept to himself. Best neighbor I ever had. He never caused me any trouble. By the way, you think I didn't know it was Orenthal James? You thought I actually, this is Matt Mikolas here. You thought I thought it was actually Orange Julius Simpson? Give me a, give me a break. That's a good uh, name. I like orange. <laughs> uh, all right, we've uh, we've exhausted these times. Do, do we even need to talk about the Seahawks playoff chances? They're not. The I don't team. know. It's they're probably not going to make the playoffs. It's going to require some help. And it, when the Seahawks need help, they actually, I will say, uh, in the last ten years, I feel like the first twenty-seven years. I was trying to remember how old I am. Yeah. First 27 yeah. years of me being a sports fan, it was like exclusively bad luck. And I haven't, the scars have not gone away. Yesterday, watching the Huskies, I was so sure they were going to get fucked by that clock stoppage thing. And people were already celebrating. And I was like, this is not, this is not over by a long shot. And uh, I feel like it's been a decade of pretty good luck. So it would not surprise me if somehow the Seahawks sneak in. It also wouldn't surprise me if everything happens for them to enter the playoffs and they lose to Arizona. Nonetheless, there's a couple things that are working against them. One, they go to Arizona, which they just never play well in Arizona. It doesn't matter how bad the Cardinals are. The stadium down there is not good to the Seahawks. Yeah. So that's a problem. Uh, you need the Packers to lose to the bears, which is very possible, especially if Justin Fields played like he did last week. Uh, they could very easily that that that's you know more or less a pick Justin right Fields now. playing for a job potentially, and they're not worried about draft picks there the, because the, the the, they have the first pick because of Carolina. Yeah, of the your Carolina is, Panthers. <laughs> the game is in Green Bay. That's always a tough place to play. But Green Bay is only favored by three points right now, which basically it means it's a pick 'em. So you know, could go either way. We'll see what happens. I don't know, man. It'd be I, I'm I'm of the opinion that it's great if the Seahawks get in the playoffs. Uh, but I know there are people out there that are like, no, I want them to lose every game and just perennially have draft picks. And Yeah, but I mean, I think the problem with that from a Seahawks fan's perspective 
and where I'm going to agree with you is they don't draft the chalk anyway. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, like yeah. If, if they get the 20th they're pick they're or the yeah. 30th pick, they're probably picking the 45th best prospect on everyone else's board. So who gives a shit? Like it doesn't, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter at all. I got one more question that I'm going to pull up and I shouldn't, I should not uh, reward this type of behavior, but I'm in a debate in my fantasy league, which everyone else cares about a lot. I'm in a fantasy league with Matt Nicholas and uh, we have a debate going on. It's a dynasty league. And we have kickers earlier. He asked, why should kickers be in dynasty leagues? What, you know, what the, he's got this obsession with getting rid of kickers in our league. And my argument is simply kickers are football players. They score like maybe the most or second most points of any player on a team. Typically they, a, a player that scores the most points on a team probably should be in a fantasy on a fantasy football team. What are your I, feelings, Alex? Uh, I'm in leagues where we have kickers and I'm in leagues where we don't. Um, I once advocated for punters in fantasy football. Oh, league. then so you're not even qualified to answer this question. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously I'm going to side with a kicker because I feel like I find okay. good enough kickers and they always get me enough points where it matters. I've never been like totally railroaded by somebody else's kicker. So maybe that's why I don't feel super bad sure. about it. Yeah. So this is a great question to close it out. I think Jared Judnick, by the way, Jared, if I'm pronouncing that wrong, I'm sorry. Are you guys on the fire Pete bandwagon? And I, I'm going to give you the only scenario where I want Pete fired is if the only way to keep Kalen DeBoer in Seattle is to let him coach both the Seattle Seahawks and the Washington Huskies and also keep Ryan Grubb in Seattle. That's the only way that I want to fire Pete in the next two years. I think when he leaves, there's going to be a massive rebuild. It's going to be a complete tear down and build back up. And I don't necessarily want that to start right now. I don't know that this team has a Super Bowl in it with the construction it has right now, but the quarterback they have right now, I do think quarterback play is important. Unlike some people on this podcast, uh, I think that it's really good to have a good quarterback for cheap. Um, and, But I, I think you'll just let him ride it out because here's the deal. It's, it's your, like, literally, I think when he goes – it probably spells the end of DK Metcalf's time here. I don't know what Jackson Smith and Jigba's time is going to look like here if there's not a great quarterback. I mean, yeah. These guys could all be gone before there's another good Seahawks team. So I think they have a very talented roster, and I don't want to start over with – and even like I don't even know what the scenario would be like if, uh, if uh, like Kyle Shanahan or somebody, Mike McDaniel, somebody that I really respect as a coach, became available uh, – Maybe I would think that would be a time to do it, but I, I, I think you're, I think that people, myself included, by the way, I used to be a fire Pete guy. Um, I've been very impressed with how he has made the quarterback position somewhat fungible, which is like very hard to do in the NFL. I do think that, uh, I'm not a fire Pete guy anymore. Let him have his last couple of years. I mean, I, I don't know, three years from now, if they're still sitting around 500 every year, I think you're, I'm a fire Pete guy, but not right now. Yeah. I've, I've never been on the fire Pete bandwagon, really. I mean, it's the thing about, like you were saying, I mean, here it's the closest thing to running a college program in the NFL. So if you do get rid of Pete, that probably means the end of John Schneider too, unless Pete mm -hmm. just retired, Pete just retires on his own accord. I mean, he's the one who's in charge. So the only one who can fire him is Jody Allen. Uh, so if he goes, John Schneider probably goes and, um, you know, for years it's been rumored that he might, the only place he would go would be green Bay. Cause he, that's where he kind of got his start and who knows he's pretty entrenched. Schneider that now. is. Schneider's pretty entrenched yeah. here now, so maybe that wouldn't be the case anymore. But uh, yeah, it'd be a complete overhaul. Every everybody's it'd be like when the Cowboys got rid of 
Tom Landry and uh, brought in, you know, Jimmy Johnson, Jerry Jones, which that obviously worked out well for them. So sure. maybe maybe there is a case to be made there. But yeah, I, mean, uh, I, I guess like to me, the only way you kind of ride the wave into another generation of good Seahawks football is to go like Clint Hurt or uh, Shane Waldron into that spot, like kind of carry the culture forward a little bit. But I, I don't even know if those I mean, I don't know if yeah. I, I, I mean, the, I, the, well, I would just say that the rumor has been Dan Quinn would come here and take over. You know, he's kind of like a in some ways a coach in waiting, even though he's not with the team right now, sure. which I, I don't think that's going to happen because it seems like he'll get a head coaching job before that. But obviously I think if, if the job opened up here, he'd probably be interested in it because he's sure. been here before and made it work here. And he's not a head coach right now. And he's not a head coach at the moment. So, you know, it's always possible, but it seems like, you know, it's, it's, you can't really replicate the culture Pete Carroll has built in Seattle. It's just, it's hard to do. It's like I said, it is very much like a college environment, and um, to, to try and do that and just carry that over with guys that have maybe been here briefly in the past, that would even be tough to do. So I think when when the time does come, it's a complete overhaul. And I'm look, I understand when people are like uh, I'm, I advocate for Mike Hopkins getting fired as the UW basketball coach all the freaking time. And I understand sure. that that means a complete overhaul and you lose your recruits and all that sort of thing. And you don't have to worry about that with the NFL because obviously contracts are involved. But um you know, what Pete does very well is he gets players to buy in, believe, and play for him. And that's not always the easiest thing to do in pro sports. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what that what that landscape looks like when the time does come for him to go. But I don't think it's right now. Yeah. I think he gets to leave under his own power. And also, Jared Judnick, thank you for letting me know that I'm pronouncing your name correctly. I'm pretty good at pronouncing names. This was a tough one, and it, I really fought through it. And... uh yeah, I think that's the end of the podcast. That's good. If you liked, if you actually listened to this point, which uh, thank you, first of all. There's, there's a very few people listening at this yes. point. We were hot at the beginning, and then it was when, it really when, dwindled. When baseball, yeah, but when baseball season comes around, we will bring <laughs> back the home run game to this yes. to this part of the podcast, and that's where things really go wild. So yeah, look this is where you can that. give the answers away to me so I have a fucking fighting chance. That could happen, and I don't feel good about that. <laughs> All right. I'm going to try to do some uh, some radio production right now to end this, but thank you guys for listening. Follow me at the Casey or no at Casey McLean Comedy. Uh, Alex is at Alex SSN. Wait, we got one more comment before we. Uh, Pete, Jared Judnick, who's quickly becoming my favorite listener of this podcast. Pete is the architect, of course, of no, just of the most prosperous era in Seattle sports, and he gets that latitude. All right. I regret reading it. Uh, bye everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him bye or no, you just leave him hanging. Bye, bye guys. Thank you. <laughs>